The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. A wonderful time of worship. Well, we continue our study of the book of 1 John, and as we have said several times, what has John been doing but giving us signs or indications of authenticity, how to, how to look in your life and look for indications that your faith is authentic, that you genuinely are uh, in Christ. And we talked about at the very beginning of the series, the illustration was uh, designer, women's designer handbags, and we saw how they can look very uh, good counterfeits. They can look just like the authentic ones, and you've got to know what to look for to see the difference. And we've been using that uh, analogy to describe what John has been doing. Week in and week out, John has been saying in very stark terms of contrast that there's two teams, there's two leaders, the devil and Jesus, and each are characteristic of certain ways. One is lawless, one is holiness, one is is, uh, completely against the things of God and unloving and a murderer and an accuser. And Christ is the fulfillment of all of God's will. He's righteous, holy, loving. And so we are challenged to look at our life and see three things that would indicate authenticity. One, do we see faith in Jesus Christ? He's the only one that can make us right with God through his blood on the cross. Do we see faith in Christ, the doctrinal test? Also, do we see the love of Christ? Do we see... Christ's love showing up in our lives. We said it's not perfect, but do we see the growing love of Christ? And as we saw last week, especially for his other children, for all, but especially for the church. And then we saw that was the social test. And then finally, we saw the the moral test. Do we see the righteousness of God in our lifestyle? Do we see his righteousness showing up in our lives? And he says, if you see these things, it doesn't guarantee, but it does indicate They do provide signs that you're on the right track, that you are in Christ. And so he's been doing this. But I wonder how many of us, as we've been hearing these signs, as we've been hearing these tests, I wonder how many of us have struggled with assurance. Now, John has written clearly, he said, listen, I'm not writing these things to cause you to doubt. I'm writing these things that you may know as believers, that you may know you have eternal life. So his desire is for believers to know they have eternal life, true believers. But I wonder how many of us have had the effect on us that we say, I'm not so sure. Maybe your heart condemns you. Maybe you find uh, your heart filled with doubts and, and you're not sure about your salvation as we've gone through. We've said that's not been our intent, but we certainly know that that is possible that as we look at the Word of God and we see what indicates authenticity and what is a counterfeit, maybe we find in our heart a condemning heart. Now, what happens to most of us if we do find that our heart is condemning us? What seems to be the pattern of behavior when you start doubting or when you start finding that your heart is condemning you? If, if you're like me, I think you'd find that most of us start pulling away from God We start pulling away from the Christian family. We start pulling away from the word of God. And we certainly don't want to pray to God. And as that grows and continues, we find that we start having more doubts and less certainty, less assurance about 
the authenticity of our faith. And John says this has a terrible effect on our Christian life. This is not what God wants for us. And so John is going to tell us today how to deal with a condemning heart. How to deal with it if you find week in and week out that you are wrestling with doubts. And you're wrestling with a heart that is condemning you. John says, I don't want you to live that way. I want believers, true believers, to know that they are in Christ. And so if you find yourself wrestling with doubt, John says, here's what I want you to do. And so we're going to look today at, first of all, the burden of a condemning heart. And then we're going to look at the blessings of a confident heart. That's what John does. And so we're going to look at the burden of a condemning heart in 19 and 20. And then the blessings of a confident heart in 21 through 24. Lord, we ask for your help this morning. I pray that you will teach us how to deal with a heart that is condemning us, a heart of doubt, a heart that lacks assurance, that lacks confidence. Lord, we know your desire is that all enjoy the blessings of a confident heart. And so, Lord, I pray that you will give us integrity and honesty as we look at your word and we deal with what you say. And Lord, I pray that your spirit will do a powerful work in all of our hearts. And it's possible through the work of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, let's look at the burden of a condemning heart. John says in verse 19, We will know by this that we are of the truth and will assure our heart before him in whatever our heart condemns us. So I believe John is addressing primarily, this is debatable and there's a lot of ink spilled on which way this goes, but I believe that John is primarily writing to true believers. He's been saying, hey, children of God, I'm writing these things that you may know that you're truly in Christ. And so I believe he's writing to true believers and he's addressing the issue of false, false condemnation. But as we've been saying all along, it may very well be that among us there are false assurance, people who have false assurance. And this series and this study has led them to start to examine their heart. And so, but I think John is saying, hey, I believe you're in the faith. You know you're in the faith with your head, but your heart is condemning you. And so let's deal with it because we know that when your heart condemns you as a believer, that it leads to a whole pattern of life that is not healthy And that is not the Lord's will for your life. And so what does John say to do? He says there are two things that will, quote, will assure our heart before him. Those two things are our knowledge and God's knowledge. He's going to talk about some things that we know with our head that should bring assurance in our heart. And then he's going to talk about what God knows and how to deal with a condemning heart in the knowledge of God. So first of all, our knowledge. I mean, where do I get this? Well, look at verse 19. He's, John seems to separate the head from the heart here. Notice how he says this. He says, we will know by this that we are of the truth and we will assure our heart before him. We will know with our head by this that we are of the truth. And that will assure our hearts before him. And so John separates this idea like, Listen, your head can know the truth, but your heart can be riddled with doubt and uncertainty and conviction and condemn you. And he says, listen, there are some things I want you to go back to that you know with your head that will help you to bring assurance to the 
to the emotions of the heart that ebb and flow depending on your mood for the day. So what does John say that we should do? He says, well, you know with your head these certain things that you're in the truth. What is he talking about? You know by this. He's talking about what we looked at last week. Last week, John contrasted Cain and Christ. And what we saw, his point was that Cain's attitude towards the church revealed that he was not truly an authentic one in God. And so he says last week, your love for the church reveals, testifies, informs your mind that you are in the faith. But he wasn't happy with leading love, leaving love as this vague general term. He got very specific and he hit us where it hurts. He hit us in our wallet and in our time. He said, now when I say love, I don't mean just general fuzzy, not hatred towards the church. I mean that you see that you are connected to people who are Christians and you know them well enough to know when they're hurting, when they need a friend, when they need time. And you're willing to sacrifice your precious time to sit down with them, to have a cup of coffee, to be their friend, to cook a meal for them when they're in the hospital, to help them move into their home, to spend your time and your energy helping them as Christ denied himself for the good of the church. And then he said, now, if you have the world's goods and you see a brother in need, if you are in Christ, then you will give of your goods for their good. And so he gets very specific last week. And he said, this is how you know if you're in the truth. And so today he's building on that. And he's saying, listen, if your heart condemns you, and we know what that's like. I'm sure every believer has been there. Some of us are chronically there. And you're going to see today, that's not where God wants you to be. God doesn't want you to live in chronic fear. It's not spiritual to live in this false humility of, oh, I guess I'm acceptable before God. He, he knows my sin. That's not where God wants you to live. God wants you to live in confident assurance that you are saved by the grace of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And the way that he says, when your heart condemns you, when your heart starts messing with you and say, are you really in Christ? The first thing you can do is look for tangible, visible evidence of your practical deeds of love and kindness towards others. Because that doesn't come from the flesh. He says, I want you to look at your life and say, do you see within your life physical evidence? Are you giving money to help people adopt children? Are you cooking meals for others so that your family goes, wait, all that good food's going out of the house? Are you doing practical, physical deeds where you can see, well, that certainly helps me feel better about this condemning heart that I have right now. He says, this is how you know with your head that you're in the truth. And you've got to take that knowledge and remind yourself, this is a good indication that I, I am in the faith. But it's not just our knowledge. That's not enough. That's helpful. That should encourage us along the way. But where the real assurance comes is in God's knowledge. 
In verse 19, the second part, he says, We will assure our heart before him and whatever our heart condemns us. For God is greater than our heart and God knows all things. So John is saying that when we're struggling with doubts, the very thing that you want to do is pull away from God. When your heart is condemning you and you're thinking, the last thing I want to do is be in the presence of God, he says, that's what you must do. You must go into the presence of God if you want the assurance of God. When everything in your heart's telling you, I'm not going in there. I'm not going to, like Cain, remember what Cain did. Why did Cain kill Abel? What did Abel do so wrong? Nothing. Cain killed Abel because Cain felt rotten inside. He looked at his brother who was worshiping God with sincerity. He worshiped him from the fruit of his heart. He gave the first fruits. Cain looked like a good counterfeit. He looked just like a good worshiper. Cain brought his first fruit offering, but God said, get that out of my face. And why did God tell him, I don't need your stuff? Is because he knew he didn't have Cain's heart. And when God warned Cain that you better repent of this and you better get real with me and you better quit playing games and you better quit faking it, you better give me your heart, give me your life, then I'll accept your sacrifice and your worship. Cain looked around and said, Abel's judging me. Abel's condemning me. The church doesn't love me. They're just condemning me. And he killed him because his own deeds were evil. And that's what happens to us when our heart condemns us. We want to pull away from God. We want to pull away from the church because we come in the church and we project that on the church. Oh, the church is condemning us. Let me tell you, this church is not condemning you. This church is here because all of us have come to the point where we realize I am a wicked sinner, but by the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And so when you find yourself wanting to pull away from the church, wanting to pull away from God, wanting to avoid the word of God, wanting to avoid prayer, wanting to avoid anything that might reveal what's going on in your heart, John says that is exactly where you must go if you want to deal with this heart that is condemning you. You must go into the presence of God. God knows everything. God is bigger than your heart and your emotions. So what does it mean to go into the presence of God? It means to pray. It means to talk about your doubts with God. It means to ask God, God, I'm filled with uncertainty. I don't know if I'm right with you. I don't know if I'm truly a believer. And Lord, I need you to to do business in my heart. I need you to show me the truth. And then you start listening. And how does God speak to us most clearly? Through the Bible. And the Bible is a book that is meant to be read. You get away from all the business of life. You stop and you get away and you get quiet and you open your Bible and you put on your reading glasses and you spend time. And I don't care how long it takes. And you don't just read a snippet here and a snippet there. You start with John chapter 1 and you start reading chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. And you don't know everything that you're reading. And you say, I'm not sure I understand what that. I don't care. Keep reading. 
Keep reading and pray. God, speak to me. God, reveal the truth about my heart. God, am I genuine? Am I authentic or am I faking it? God, assure my heart. And you get to John chapter 3 where Nicodemus comes to Jesus and Jesus says, the only way you can enter the kingdom of God is if you're born again by the Spirit of God, by faith in Jesus, for God so loved the world, John three sixteen, that He gave His one and only Son, and that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God came not to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. And you read verse after verse, and you pray, God, show me, am I born again? God, speak to me. God, am I authentic, or am I just playing games? And God will reveal. John wrote that gospel that you may know that you have eternal life. John wrote 1 John. So then you read 1 John. It's just a few chapters. It just takes a few minutes. Read 1 John over and over and over until God confirms in your heart the truth that you are either faking it or you're the real deal. And then you go to Romans chapter 8 where it says, Therefore, there now those who are in Christ, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And God, we know that in all things God works together for good. Those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. That those whom He foreknew, He also predestined. Those He predestined, He also called. Those He called, He also justified and will glorify. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And on and on and on. And you will know. It will just be so clear. The Spirit of God will make it clear. I'm either in him or I'm not. But you have to stop. And you have to sit down in the presence of God. And you have to ask him, Lord, is it authentic? And then you have to listen as you read the word of God. And he will say very clearly in your heart, yes, you're mine. Or stop playing games. And then you're in the position that Cain's in. You either see your own sin and you repent and you deal with it and you throw yourself on the mercies of Christ, trusting only in the blood of Jesus. Or you stiffen your neck and you pull further away and you go deeper into doubt and condemnation. So when you are riddled with doubt... And when you lack assurance, when you are carrying the burden of a condemning heart, you must stop the busyness. Stop numbing it with entertainment. Stop hiding from it by keeping yourself so busy that you don't have to think about it. You must stop and deal with it and go into the presence of God and he will let you know. Because he knows all things. The reason it's so important that we do this is because God wants you to enjoy the blessings of a confident heart. God does not want us walking around mealy mouse, worried about it, constantly riddled with doubts about our salvation. God wants you to enjoy the blessings of, yes, you're my child. Now go and do great things. I've got great plans for you. That's what the Lord wants for us. And so let's look at the blessings of a confident heart. Beginning in verse 21, he says this. He says, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And so the main idea in the following verses 
is that the great blessing of assurance is that we enjoy confidence before God. Imagine that. Confidence before the holy God that we were just singing about. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Isaiah stood in his presence and he saw the holiness of God and the majesty of God. And all he could say was, oh, I am a man of unclean lips. I am wicked and sinful, but God in his grace cleansed him. And so how can we dare stand in confidence before God? Imagine standing boldly. In fact, that word confidence is the same thing we saw in 1 John 2, 28, when John was saying about the day that is approaching where Christ returns on that day of judgment. And he said, will that be a terrible day of judgment that you shrink away? Or will that be a confident day where you stand before the God to speak freely? He says, I want you to have the kind of confidence that a, that a child has when they're in the presence of the loving, perfectly loving parents. Where they know they can speak freely. There's not going to be condemnation for what they say because the parents love them and loves that child. And that child knows, I can say anything. I can be honest. I can be real with my parents because they love me. And the, the confidence that they have only strengthens that relationship. God says, that's what I want for you. That's the kind of relationship God wants for us. It's not spiritual to to live in this sense of fear of God and, and, oh, I'm so wicked, I can't be in his... No, he says, I love you. When, When you trust Christ and you've been cleansed by his blood, he becomes your father who loves you, your Abba, Father, unconditional, intimate love. And he says, I want great things for you. I've got great plans for you. And that confidence shows up in an incredible prayer life. He describes it in verse 22. He says, whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Now, because of what's going on in our culture and what's being taught all over the place, I need to clarify. This does not mean that if you do enough good deeds for God, he gives you whatever you want. I mean, just think about it. That's never the case with kids, is it? Your kids don't earn. If they do good enough things, I'm just going to give them whatever they want. No, you have a great plan for their life. You have a purpose for their life. You know what's good for them. A lot of things they ask for would not be good for them. And he says, when you live this confidence before God, where you're free to speak freely before God, he gives you what he knows is best for you. And you know what he wants for you. You know his will. You know his word because you're walking with him. But God wants us to have the type of prayer life that is not, oh God, I don't know if I did enough this week to ask you for this, but could you please do this for me? Instead, what God says he wants is where we are in an intimate, confident relationship where we are walking with him, we are talking to him, we are listening to him, we know his will, we know his ways, we know his plan, we know his mission, we know his purposes, we know his character. And so we're walking with him, we're talking with him, and we say, Hey, Lord, I'm trying to accomplish this. Would you please provide this? We should be able to speak, we ought to speak freely and approach him boldly. Paul says in Ephesians 3.12, we have boldness and confident access through faith in Christ. In Hebrews 4.16, believers are told to draw near with confidence to the grace of God. Later in 1 John 5.14, John says, This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 
So the confident believer is spending time walking with the Lord and knows what the Lord is up to, knows what he wants, and asks things according to his will and sees amazing answers to prayer. Because they're aligned, they have aligned themselves with God and with the will of God. And when we are aligned with what God is doing and what he wants to do, we have a powerful participation in that work of God. And it feeds our heart and our soul. And you see, God is so real. God is doing great things on this earth. God is working in and through me. And it humbles you, but it encourages you because you have a thriving, abiding relationship with him. I call this, I've been thinking deeply on this, and I've come up with a deeply theological term. It's called the snowball effect. That's, the, that's, that's what you get with me. That's the best I could come up with. The snowball effect. And you know what I mean. Things snowball in life, don't they? I mean, think about it negative, negatively. Maybe it was a, a mistake. Made a big mistake. And that caused your heart to condemn. And that caused you to pull away from the Lord. Pull away from... I'm going to call in this week and I'm going to get someone to sub for me and my service team. And then community groups rolling around and just not feeling it. And so you just, I'm not going to go this week. And so you call in and, and give them a reason, but you don't, you don't give them the real reason, but you're just not feeling it. And so then you feel a separation between you and, and the Lord and the church and the people and, and there's a strain and, and then there's a, a greater temptation that now you feel weaker and you feel like you're not able to resist. And so perhaps you sin again and you give in to it again. And then, and then you further withdraw. And as you further withdraw, you're not praying anymore. You're not reading the word anymore. And you're not spending time with the people of God. And you just feel like now a hypocrite. And you feel like if I go in there, they're all judging me. I know what they're thinking. They don't love me. They're just looking for me to mess up. And your attitude starts to look more and more like Cain. And on and on it goes. And the snowball builds to where you're not spending time with the Lord. You're not spending time in his word. You're not praying. You're not worshiping him. Your thoughts are turning negative and and resentful. And anger builds and unforgiveness builds. And to a point where I, I can't assure you. And I don't know that you can assure yourself that you're even a believer. That's a terrible place to be. And churches and community, this community is filled with people like that. And John says, I don't want that for you. God doesn't want that for us. And so what God wants is the snowball effect that begins with repentance. That says today, you can start that little ball of snow rolling down the hill where you... You go into the presence of God and you say, search me and try my heart. And whatever he reveals, here's the beautiful message. You lay it at the foot of Jesus and he forgives and he has grace. You turn to Christ and you say, look, God, I I don't have a chance without you. And he gives you grace and mercy, and love, and forgiveness, and he declares you righteous. Not because Jesus plus your deeds, but because of Jesus alone. And he tells you that maybe it's the first time you grasp it, 
that you must be born again and you can't born yourself again. Maybe it's the first, second, third, maybe it's the thousandth, thousandth time that you grasp it. And you're like, that's right. Jesus loves me. I don't know if y'all caught it during that song. There's a song about the unmatched. I mean, there's no one that compares to God. And there's a line that says, you didn't want heaven without us. And it's like, er? is that theologically right? Granger even asked me, we good with this song? And I'm like, let me think about it. Anybody else notice that, that verse, that line? Is that crazy? It's hard to believe that God wanted us in heaven. God said, it's, I want you with, not because he needed us, but because he loves us. He loves you. He wants you to enjoy the blessed assurance and confidence of his love. He wants to do great things through you. That's why Jesus came to die. It's because he loves you. But we have to stop. We have to sit and be in the presence of God. And spend time in his word. And read and read, and read, and read more, and pray. Read copious amounts of scriptures, and pray, and I promise you, he will change your life. And he'll do great things. The snowball effect, the way John describes it, a little more theologically impressive, is in 1 John three twenty three through 24, these last verses, he describes it this way. This is the commandment, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He commanded us. And the one who keeps His commandments abides in Him, and He in Him. And we know by this that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. And notice the Trinity. God the Father purchased an intimate relationship through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, in verse 23. And it's applied in our hearts and experienced through this Spirit in verse 24. And notice what happens when we're believing and we're loving and we're obeying. The three evidences of authenticity are present in our life. We believe in Jesus and we're loving the church family and others. And we're living a holy life to his glory. And the spirit of God says, yes, you're mine. And it's a powerful, wonderful life. And you know it's so much better than the life riddled with guilt over sin. And God says, this is what I want for you. So John is saying an accusing heart robs us of the joy of confident, fruitful, powerful relationship with the Lord. So if your heart is condemning you today, what do you do? You go into the presence of God. This afternoon, you can miss the fall festival if you need to. I don't care how long it takes. You tell your family, I got to go do business with the Lord. And you go, you sit with God. And you open your Bible. And you tell God, I got, I got a problem. I'm not sure if I'm authentic. 
and you start reading the scriptures and you ask God, God, will you reveal the truth? I promise you, he'll reveal the truth. He's bigger than your heart. He's bigger than your emotions. And he'll start showing you if you're real or not. And if you find that you're not, I've got good news. In an instant, you just say, Father, forgive me. I need to be cleansed by Jesus Christ. And he will cleanse you right then, right there, right now. Or if you find that you, yeah, I'm in Christ. I see evidence. I see his love coming in my life. It's not near where I want it to be. I see his holiness showing up in my life. It's not near where I want it to be. But you preach the gospel to yourself again. It's not Jesus plus my holiness. It's not Jesus plus my love. It's Jesus alone. And then you say, thank you, God, for that gift. And that's the joy. That's the grace that motivates you. That's the love that propels you to live once again for his glory. And to enjoy once again the confident assurance that you have a great dad who loves you. Let's pray together. Father, there is such blessing in assurance and such dread when our heart condemns us. Lord, I pray that this morning so many hearts that are riddled with condemnation and doubt will be bold and courageous enough to to stop all the, the craziness, stop all the busyness, and stop all the activity and just sit and be alone with you and not to be afraid to come into the presence of God. And not to come out of your room until they've received assurance only through faith in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that we will be a people who are strong and confident in our Father. Who are propelled by the joy about grace and the love of God that propels us to live greater lives of faith, filled with the love of Christ for others and filled with lives of holiness. Not in order to earn anything from you, but because we know in you we've received it all in Christ. And Lord, I pray that it would just be fruitful, that we would be fruitful, where we have powerful prayer lives, that we're serving others and seeing your work and we're ministering and we're praying and we're seeing God do great things in and through us. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for your name. For there is no other name greater than the name of Jesus. It's in his name we pray and sing. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. 
Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.